Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Streets. I'm here with my buddy Cameron, and we are here to talk to you about movies from the past, present, and future. And uh, we have an email address that is screenstreets at gmail.com. You can reach us there for any comments, questions, concerns, requests. And that's a, uh, that's a good way to, to uh, interact with the podcast. Good way to reach us. How you doing, Cameron? I'm doing fantastic, Joel. I'm living my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How about you, sir? Living my life. There's a horrible storm going on here right now. Like I'm I'm worried my Wi Fi is gonna cut out at any minute. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh it shouldn't. I don't know. I I like I've been reading a lot of I've been following the Reddit Sacramento page and like a lot of people are losing power and getting scared. Like there's a horrible storm going on here right now, but fuck it. I have, I have availability to talk to you right now. So that's what I'm doing. We had a snowstorm the other day, which was kind of crazy and out of nowhere and covered the ground with lots of snow. So I was able to take it. I I actually saw pictures that your wife posted about you and your, your kids playing in the snow. That was kind of cool. Oh yeah. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Love playing in the snow. It's like, we both live on the West coast. I like, I never see any snow. So like, that was crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I get snow up here in Washington. Speaking of kids. We have a new segment right now, and I want to know, for all the parents out there, what have your kids been watching, Cameron, and have they been enjoying it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, lately, the watch, the children's binge has been uh, Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous. Season two just came out on Netflix. It's a Netflix original show, and uh, it follows these kids. It's kind of like for all different reasons, they get into like a dinosaur camp at Jurassic World, and they're there. And then all of a sudden, the events of the Jurassic World movie happen, where everybody abandons the island, and then these kids are kind of left on their own. So it's a, it's just kind of a fun little premise. These kids trying to survive in Jurassic World, and I mean, as far as kids go, shows go, it's certainly watchable. It's a lot better than a lot of crap I have to put up with. So, for parents out there, you know, try to turn your kids on to Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous if you can. I know, I know you hate Jurassic World, the movie. I do. So, like, is this better than that? I would say yes, just because of expectations being completely different. I mean, I wouldn't expect a children's show to be the same as Jurassic Park. You know what I mean? I wouldn't... Jurassic World was just such a letdown for me personally and, like, logic and everything. So I've already I've already dealt with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like, like a traumatic event in my life. It's something I've dealt with. And I moved on. Wow, last night you told me you were watching the Jetsons, and I was like, wow. Like the fucking Jetsons. That's a that's a throwback from my childhood, and that it even predates my childhood. That's like from the sixties. Well, we watched the uh, the Jetsons movie that was made in nineteen ninety. 
Okay. Yeah, I I'm not. I mean, we were we were looking at stuff to watch, and my kids saw the Jetsons and got excited because we have a couple Jetsons books. I'm not huge on the Jetsons personally. I don't love them. I, I mean, remember. I remember when I was a little kid, I had a I had a big crush on Judy Jetson. Which one is Judy? The mom or the no daughter? She's the, she's the daughter with the white hair. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Little ponytail. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I had a big crush on Judy Jetson as a little kid. See, I was more of a Flintstones guy. If I if I had a crush, it would have been on a. Ah, which one was the neighbor now? Oh, See, Betty, I'm terrible. Betty Rubble. Betty Rubble. Yeah. Yeah, I had a crush and then, on uh, her too, man. I didn't discriminate. And then the movie came out, and it was Rosie O'Donnell. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it killed my yeah, it killed was, my little kid. That was a bad time when Betty Rubble, the hot one from the show, was Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, that was that was rough. I was like, "What the fuck?" But I mean, they kind of made up for it because they also introduced me to Halle Berry, who that's true. My God, in that movie, my God, sir. Good Lord. Flintstones, Halle Berry. Come on. Uh, Google that. Google that, people. Yeah, get on it. Google Harry, Halle Berry Flintstones. You'll see a, a beautiful woman. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't. I don't really have any uh, word on the street yet, so I guess we'll just move into uh, the viewer's choice this week. Zach X had us watch Monos. From a like a, I'm gonna let you go ahead and uh, tell us about Monos, Cameron. Okay, I I didn't write down the director or any actors. If I'm being honest, I don't want to butcher names. I don't. So it's a Colombian film. Uh, I think it was 2000. I didn't even write the year down. It was within the past few years. I know that. Anyway, it's a Colombian film made in Colombia, about Colombia, about these kids in Colombia who are kind of like little military, little military kids. They're, they're thrown into the military life by a, by a jacked midget. Their commander is a little midget and he's jacked yep. and he teaches these, <laughs> and he teaches these kids how to be soldiers and a lot of a lot of stuff happens but mainly their main job is to watch over a hostage they have some american lady they know they call doctora 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 and that's all you know her as for the whole film and a bunch of crazy weird things happen when they're on this hill watching over doctora and eventually they move into the jungle with doctora some more crazy stuff happens. Uh, the jacked midget comes back for a while because he, he's, he's in and out. And uh, the jacked midget is the main thing I like to talk about because, good Lord, I, this guy. He was pretty is, distracting. He's a distracting person to have on your He's Especially how often they like to show his body and how oiled it was and how jacked it was. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, he comes back, he leaves and other stuff. And yeah, it's mainly just about these kids and their their lives growing up in Colombia. And it's 
It's a crazy movie. How did you how did you like it, Joel? It made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I I whenever there's a movie with like just feral human beings, like it makes me uncomfortable. Okay. Like it just it reminded me of like Lord of the Flies, like just these kids that just are left to their own devices and kind of just lose their mind and like think that they have to be the end all be all and like the, yeah, this little so. jack midget like is just standing there taking a piss well one of them fucking just murks him from behind just ba-bang <laughs> like, yeah little midget dude's taking a piss like super jacked up midget taking a piss gets <laughs> ba-banged from behind with a fucking shotgun falls into the water and I'm just like I don't like these feral children movies man they make me uncomfortable but like I think it definitely not like I don't know that's not to say like it's a bad movie like it just is a personal preference of mine that like makes me uncomfortable (laughs) you have some weird hang up sometimes I get it I get it yeah, I'm, I think it definitely takes like a lot of inspiration from Lord of the Flies. I wouldn't be surprised the way they end up in the jungle and are, I felt very Lord of the Fliesian. But I'd have to say, overall, I liked the movie. And uh, I don't know, I'm just kind of I'm kind of grateful that we got recommended it because, to be honest, if I didn't have to watch it the podcast i probably would have turned it off 10 minutes in just because it was a little strange and there's such like a i'll say like a cultural divide that i just can't connect to what was going on at first you know what i mean like they're acting so weird like the the guy's like he kisses his girlfriend and she's like you kiss weird he's like no i don't yeah that was a weird scene See, check out what my friend has to say, and then he just makes out with his buddy for like a full minute. Yeah. Like, what like, is going? It, like these feral kids, man. Like they're all like hypersexual and don't know what to do with it, so they just kind of are like <laughs> making fun of each other. Like you're not sexy, right? And like, yeah, your dick is weird, and your kisses are weird. And I'm like, I don't like this, man. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I get you, but I have to say overall, I found it, I just thought the story, it just kind of gripped me, and I thought it became really fascinating when uh, there's all those escape attempts by a doctora, and then later, one of the kids trying to escape that life, and then they're kind of being hunted, and I just, yeah, I found it all pretty fascinating, and uh, it, the scenery was all really cool to look at when they're in the mountain, and the mountain, the vistas go on for so long and then when they're in the jungle and everything looks pretty cool there yeah like i remember in zach's email he he was saying like this is proof that like you can shoot movies down here and like i got that entirely i was like yeah like this movie looks fucking great it looks beautiful yeah yeah, it just wasn't for me man like i just yeah I felt very uncomfortable and I was like, I felt like I was watching like little kids do shit that they should not be doing. Even though they weren't little kids, I just, I felt that way because of the way they were portrayed. 
They were little-ish. They were like 15, yeah. 16 kind of stuff. But they were all yeah. trying to like get laid with each other and like they would like they were not like they'd be watching this hostage doctora and like that chick was like an adult and was like I'm going to take my chance when I have it and like these kids did not know how to deal with her and yeah. so, like it was just I felt bad like I felt bad for all these kids that like this little like you said this little jack midget is like watch her and do this. and then they killed him and they're like now we, you're under my watch. This little fucking weirdo who painted his face all black and he looked crazy. And I'm like, I don't want to see how this ends. <laughs> I get it. I get what you're saying. I just, uh, yeah, I found it overall. I found it pretty interesting. I, uh, yeah, Zach X in his email, I remember he also said this was like filmed like right by him i just have to ask zach zach x is this world anything like anything you know and if so are you okay buddy because <laughs> this shit's crazy it's crazy not just the the fact that there's this group of kids or whatever it's just the way they behave and the wars going on i don't know it's a world i don't understand but i i enjoyed watching it overall yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it's a it's a true story by any means. Like, I don't think this is no. like what life is like down there. Well, there's the part when the kid finds uh, the kid running away. He kind of finds refuge with his family, and it's uh, it, even their little home. It, it's like, man, this is this seems like not a great place to live. But I guess that's coming from my American privileged life. I, I do so. like the fact that you referenced um, almost immediately. You referenced the jacked up midget because <laughs> I was like, the second I saw this guy, I'm like, okay, that's a talking point because he looks it's, fucked up. Like it's people amazing. don't look like him. It's the first thing I wrote on Mono's notes. I was just Jack like, midget. this midget has worked out, and he got cast in this movie. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, you're a bunch of kids following orders from this guy. And, like, you're scared of him. Like, he might be four feet tall, but he looks like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> He's the Brock Lesnar of midgets, dude. <laughs> There's that scene when he comes back later on and he's training them. And then the, the camera just focuses on his abs for like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was the director. I don't know. Maybe he's like, just make sure you get a load of this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you work that hard to to get that body, I guess. Right. But he what, wasn't what distracting. What would you give Monos? I would give it a seven. It's, it's not something I probably would go back to that often, but it's something completely unlike what I usually watch and I found it really interesting to watch. I also would agree with like, I, it's not something I would usually watch and definitely not something I'd go back to. Like I, I give it like a six. Okay. I give it a six, a solid six. Like it was, it was a well done movie. Just not even my kind of movie. Okay. That's fair. And with that, we go to for your consideration. 
in which Cameron has selected a movie for me that he enjoys that I have not seen. And I do the same for him. And I will start out. I, uh, last week you all heard that I watched alien for the first time and I fucking loved it. And I told Cameron that I'd seen Alien 3 and beyond, so I had not seen Alien or Aliens. And so this week he's like, well, you watched Alien, so now you're going to watch Aliens. And, uh, yeah, like, I get what you were saying last week when you said that Alien and Aliens are kind of incomparable. Because Alien is a very... Like, I loved it because it's a very atmospheric thriller, like, horror movie about this one creature that was, like, like, it was, it was terrifying. And And Aliens is more, like, it reminded me of Predator. Yeah. Because it was, like, a bunch of, like, big swinging dick colonial marines are like we're gonna go to this planet and take out these aliens and then they get there and like it's more than they bargained for and so yeah like aliens is about like Ripley Sigourney Weaver wakes up 57 fucking years after she returned from the uh, mission from Alien like she'd just been in this sleep pod for 57 years and she's like holy shit really and they're like yeah but like we need to figure out what's going on on this planet because we have this like communication satellite there but we need to figure out what's going on because we have like we lost communication with it And, like, will you be willing to go with us because you know what these aliens do? And she's like, Jesus Christ, are you serious? Like, she doesn't want to do it. She's like, like, you don't understand what you're dealing with. But, like, it's all these, like, colonial marines that are just like, we're going to go and fuck shit up. Don't worry about it. So they get there and, like, it's kind of awesome. Because it's kind of like, like it's like Predator, and Predator's awesome. I love Predator, and it's like, like uh, Bill Paxton is one of these Marines, and like I fucking love Bill Paxton, and he was awesome in this movie. Yeah, and he, like, he's like the biggest swinging dick of them all. He's like, we're gonna go and we're gonna fuck him up, and we're gonna take out everything. And then the second he gets, like, a taste of what those fucking aliens have to offer, he's instantly, like, the biggest bitch for the rest of the movie. He's like, we gotta get out of here, dude. <laughs> like, these things are not cool. Or his, uh, his most iconic line, game over, man. Yeah, like, game over. Like, this is, like, let's go. And so... Like, I don't know, like, I gave Alien a 10. I thought it was fucking incredible. This is right. not that. Okay. Like, I really enjoyed it, but, like, there, 
I had no negative takeaways from Alien. I have negative takeaways from this one. <laughs> like, I there was a child involved that I did not need. Like, I did not need there to be like a like we need to protect this kid. Like, I was just like, we're already, like, we're going to deal with all these aliens. Like, I don't need, like, child endangerment as part of it. Like, it just, it didn't hit for me. I didn't care. Like, I was just like, once, every scene with the child, with Newt, I was like, okay. Like, I get it. I understand why it's here. It's just, it's not for me. It's for uh, Ripley's motherly instincts yeah. because when she wakes up, her daughter is an old lady now. <laughs> she had a daughter who's now an old lady. It's just, I didn't... It reminded me of like playing video games and there's like the escort missions where it's like, I don't engage with the enemy. Like, I just have to protect this thing. And it was like, I, like, it was just, Newt had to be protected from the alien. And I was like, I, it wasn't for me. Okay. And then Paul Reiser was in it as like, like he was the, kind of the villain of the humans. And I'm like, why do we need a villain for the humans when like we're against these crazy awful aliens like why do i need a human element who's also like all right like you guys get killed by the aliens i'm cool with that well he's the corporate guy he's the he represents wayland yutani yeah he doesn't and he's just like like oh like if we take out this planet like that is like millions of dollars and but like he overtook it like ripley was just like i'm gonna nail your ass to the wall and then he's like okay so, like, the next scene, like, the aliens show up, and he, like, locks himself in this room, and he's, like, locked out all the other people who are, like, holy shit, open the door, there's aliens out here. And he's, like, nah, like, I'm a villain. And I was just, like, I don't need that. Like, the aliens are the villains. Like, I don't need a human villain on top of the alien villains. Okay. But, like, like this is all fine because i enjoyed the movie like it's not like i'm just trying to tell you why it doesn't get like a 10 out of 10 like fucking alien did right because i super enjoyed aliens i had a great time with it like it reminded me of predator which i love yeah coming off of alien it kind of like what I said last week like it just it, I didn't think it would add up and it didn't but it still was awesome I still liked it a lot alright now you go you tell me what you think about Alien, alien. well the thing about Aliens is that it's it's such a crazy movie because Alien is one of the most successful greatest horror movies of all time and then they made Aliens, which isn't, it has horrific stuff, but it's not really a horror. It's more of an action, like straight action, really. Because it's these guys who just are 
they're Marines and they kill they kill a ton of aliens. They do kill a ton of aliens. And the first alien, that alien's basically indestructible. And this one they have space lasers and they're they're cutting through them. There just happens to be a crazy amount of them. And yeah, I've always grown up with aliens, and for me it's like it's almost as like iconic an action film as Predator or you know, something like that. Terminator Terminator 2, which James Cameron also directed. James Cameron coming on in that during his time, I mean, top of his game. Doing awesome stuff. You got Michael Bean right after he did Terminator. And Bill Paxton. And even though I understand your thing with Newt, at the end when she fights the big alien, you know, get away from her, you bitch. Come on, that was awesome. That was awesome. You didn't like when she got in the uh, the big robot suit? I'd seen it before. Like, I don't know. Like, I kind of was waiting for it, and I was like, whatever. Like, I don't know, man. Like, Alien floored me. This movie didn't floor me. Okay, that's fair. I think because I'd seen Alien. Like, it was just like, I'd seen Alien, so this movie was that minus. You know what I mean? I get you. I'm just... I'm just super happy that aliens went in such a different direction instead of making alien two where it's just another crew in space. And maybe there's two aliens and, you know, kind of little, just a little lackluster that they just went such a different direction and such an awesome direction. They kind of avoided the horror sequel itis thing that they later fell into, obviously. But Alien and Aliens is such an amazing one-two punch. I mean, yeah, like, I have to constantly remind myself, because you make me watch these, like, older movies, I have to constantly remind myself that, like, tropes that I see in these movies were from these movies. Like, I I have to remind myself that, like, I've seen this a million times before, like, oh, because of this movie, you know? Yeah, I'm not trying to movie shame you here, but before the podcast even started, not that long before, you had never seen The Godfather, and you watched it for the first time, and yeah. you're like, I I like it better when Goodfellas did it, or other movies I know did it, and it's like, okay, but think about how The Godfather just invented it, you know, that invented that world, right. and you have to kind of respect it. And I'm I'm getting that, I'm I'm understanding that, and yes... I agree with you. Yeah. So, I don't know. so overall, like, overall, fucking aliens. I get. I give it like an eight point five. Okay. How about you? Respect. I give it a nine. I grew up with it, and I love it. I love it. All right. You want a break right now? Sure. Break. All, right. All right, and Cameron, what movie did I select for you? Uh, this week's for your consideration that you chose for me was Dolomite Is My Name. 
which uh, came out in 2019 as a Netflix exclusive. It starred Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore. And uh, there's a ton of supporting uh, actors that are worth mentioning that were awesome, like Keegan-Michael Key, Wesley Snipes, Mike Epps, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess, people like that. But the story follows mainly Rudy Ray Moore as he starts out and he's kind of like he works in a record store. He's a little bit older. He's like a comedian slash singer, kind of all around entertainer guy had wanted to be famous his whole life and he's not getting it done. And then uh, one day here's this homeless guy that always bothers him in his record store telling these crazy rhymes about a character named Dolomite. So he goes to this homeless guy and he's like, I'll give you money. Give me more of these stories. And then he takes them and kind of reworks them. And then he adopts this persona as Dolomite and does like stand up as Dolomite kind of stand up ish. It's puts music behind it and does these rhymes that are kind of funny and very vulgar. And he becomes an underground sensation selling all these records. And then eventually he gets even, he gets record deals and sells a ton of records. And uh, he goes to see a movie that has a bunch of white people (laughs) that's billed as a comedy. And he's like, this shit ain't funny. Like I need to be making these movies. So then it's kind of about him making Dolomite. The, The first movie of him is Dolomite. And, yeah, it goes from there, and that's the main. It's about Rudy Ray Moore and his his trajectory as Dolomite. And, uh, buddy, I fucking loved this movie. <laughs> it's awesome, dude. I loved it. Like I, I love this movie, too. I don't know what I was... See, I knew Dolomite was a movie. That's basically all I knew about Dolomite was that it was a corny black exploitation movie from the 70s and i don't know what i expected since it's like a netflix original i expected it to be kind of this low-key maybe behind the scenes kind of thing and eddie murphy doing little jokes and i was blown away by the scope it's of the so movie. Good. i was blown away by the story i had no idea it was so interesting i was blown away by eddie murphy because like i I didn't know he had it in him to still be this, man. He, like, it's the best Eddie Murphy fucking performance in years. It might be one of his best ever of all time. Because yeah. it's like, he might be a better actor than he was, like, in Beverly Hills Cop, which is my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. It's, and he's just as funny still. Because there was a while there when movies were coming out, like, Norbit or, like, Tower Heist. And there right. was, like, this guy's kind of, he's, he's not quite as funny. And then Dream Girls came out where he was a great actor. And it's like, okay, maybe he's going to be that. But this movie, he's both. He's a great actor. He's hilarious. I'm yeah, and so he, glad you liked it, dude. Because I was like, how have you not seen this? Like, it's so good. And it's Eddie Murphy and just being awesome. Yeah, I think when I'd heard Eddie Murphy was good, I just figured that's people being nice. 
uh dolomite wasn't a thing i was really interested in i just knew it was this black exploitation movie like i said because it was a netflix original i wasn't expecting it to be so intricate i guess i was just expecting this little yeah they made this movie here's some funny stuff that happened behind the scenes but instead it was hella interesting the whole story was hella interesting and it's great like i love it it's great Rudy Ray Moore, I mean, the way they make him, he's just hes just so incredibly likable. <laughs> he's so incredibly just rooting for him the whole time. Love him. I love everybody around him. Like I said, that cast list is insane. Yeah, it's like Wesley Snipes was awesome as like the guy who just directed his movie but was like not happy about it. Yeah. Who thought he was he, above it? Like Derville Martin or whatever. Like he, he just he he was like in Rosemary's Baby and like a bit part in that movie and thought he was like some Hollywood guy. Yeah. And so he was like, direct my movie. And he's like, Well, fuck, I can't turn down like my first directing gig. And he like was just shitting on it the whole time. Like every time any scene happen like Wesley Snipes as Derville Martin would just be like, ah, action. <laughs> like he just was not into it. Yeah. And, like after the movie premiered, like he was nowhere to be found. Like he wanted nothing to do with the fucking premiere of the movie. So like, I, I love Wesley Snipes in the movie as just this guy who just was put upon to fucking direct this movie that he hated that he was directing. Like, because Wesley Snipes hasn't been around for a while, man. Like, he kind of fell out of Hollywood for a while and just, he came back in this movie and I thought he was great. Yeah, he was great. I mean, he came back and like, he did those Expendables and it was like, yeah, he can do that. He can come back and be a badass or whatever. That's kind of what I expected of him, a little stoic. But he was very, very charismatic and funny. And Yeah. The way he was, he was great. Yeah, he was awesome. Everyone just came up another level, I think, like everybody. And it was, it was like, this is a Netflix original that I, I'd heard was good, but it's like I didn't expect it to be quite this good. And yeah, it was awesome. I love it. It ruled, man. It was heartwarming. I thought it was inspiring, actually. I thought it was yeah, kind I of think inspiring. That's kind of the, the theme of the week as we go on is like rags to riches. It's just like people who kind of came from humble beginnings to to do amazing things. Yeah, and it was all his attitude. Rudy Raymore's attitude. He's like, I'm not going to let anything stop me. And I, I loved it. I loved, yeah, it was very fascinating, inspiring. All that stuff, man, it was great. Like, I re I watched it for the, for the purposes of this podcast. And I tell you, like, my favorite, like, throwaway line that, like, I, I don't imagine anyone really laughed at, but I thought it was fucking hysterical. Was uh was Mike Epps like it was after they filmed the movie and like he couldn't find any fucking producers for the movie or any distributors and he they were all eating out at this fucking okay. diner. Wait wait wait! Can I say when uh 
Is it when Rudy Ray Moore's like you and your fucking strawberry shortcakes? And Mike Epps just goes, "I like strawberry, man." Yes, <laughs> like that's my favorite line. <laughs> I, I laughed really hard at that okay. for some reason okay. too. So I'm not alone. Like, no, yeah, like fucking. They're I all like strawberry. This fucking restaurant and fucking Rudy. Rudy's like, like God damn it, like you have some nerve like order an extra side of greens at a time like this like y'all are eating on your own like y'all fucking buying your own shit and then he looks at Mike Epps and he's like you strawberry shortcake eating motherfucker (laughs) and Mike Epps is just like I like strawberries Rudy (laughs) I laugh so hard yeah it's one of those lines that it's just the way it was delivered was perfect i agree like that makes me so happy that like that you called that before i even said it like yeah that line was amazing it was one of the hardest laughs i had yeah that was hilarious i loved that whole scene when they went to the the movie with walter Matthau or whatever that was i'd never even heard of but they're just looking around like why are people laughing at this yeah, and then people are like looking back at them, like, Shh. and they're just like, "Fuck you! <laughs> are you laughing at this bullshit?" Yeah, yeah, that was that whole thing was great. Yeah, it was just a fucking great movie. I can't recommend it enough, man. I'm so happy. Like, I just, I was like, I was surprised you hadn't seen it, and I'm like, you haven't seen this? Like, absolutely, watch it. It's fucking funny. It's funny. It's great. Yeah. All right, what would you give it? I give it a nine, man. Solid nine. I think that, like, I, I'll match you. I was like, yeah, about a nine. Like I said, I fucking, I love, like, Beverly Hills Cop and stuff. And I'm like, this is like the Eddie. He's as funny as he was then somehow. Like, I haven't seen this Eddie in a long time. I like it more than a lot of the movies that I have watched a bunch of times, like Nutty Professor or something like that, where I'm like, this is funny, but this is funnier and it's better. It's like I was just dying laughing at so many of the scenes. Like when he's like, he's like afraid to like have a sex scene. So he like makes it ridiculous. Where like he's, he's banging this chick and like the room is coming apart. (laughs) Like the fucking, the ceiling is falling in on him and like, like it's ridiculous. And it's Keegan so Michael funny. Key, Keegan Michael Key is the writer. Is like I wrote a tender, realistic love yeah. scene. <laughs> and Wesley Snipes is like, I don't know about that, but it's motherfucking hilarious. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, man. Like I loved it. I'm gonna rewatch it in years to come. It was a great. Night is the name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. That whole the whole story of Lady D, how he met this lady and just kind of turned her into a star, like I brought her out of her shell. I thought that was heartwarming. The their, whole thing, man. Their fucking song that they sang reminded me of the Righteous Gemstones, Misbehaving. The like, sucking and fucking each other. Yeah, it's just like, like it. It reminded me of uh, another song that's ridiculous that I also cannot get out of my head. Yeah, anybody that's seen HBO's Righteous Gemstones would know. Misbehaving. So yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. Like I'm always happy when I pick a free consideration that you actually love. Like that makes me, me too, man. That makes my heart sing. It made 
everything much easier. I mean, I, yeah, I love loving movies, and this is one I love from the very beginning. And I knew just kept... you would. I knew you would. I was just like, you haven't seen it? Absolutely. Have at it. Have at and it. The... Yeah, and they just kept having all these cameos all throughout the movie like, that were like Snoop Dogg and then Bob Odenkirk and Chris Rock and just all these people popping up. Like, oh, hey. That was one of my favorite parts is fucking Snoop Dogg. Like at the beginning when he's just like, play my song, play my play my fucking come on. He's like, bring a ding dong. Yeah, ding dong ding. Ring. <laughs> and so, so like when Dolomite becomes famous and he comes back to the song, he's like, Yeah, you're gonna play my shit now. And then Snoop Dogg starts playing the ring a ding dong. And he's like, yeah. No, not that shit. <laughs> like Oh, I love this movie. Like great I, movie. It made me happy to watch it again. Like I liked it even more than I remembered liking it. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. I'm happy you made me watch it. Thank you. Thank you for recommending it. You got it. And uh with that we move on to binge or cringe. And uh, this week we watched the Tiger Woods docu-series on HBO Max, Tiger. Kind of chronicling the the rise and fall of Tiger Woods. Yep. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't have much more to say like about the, uh, it's a docu-series and it's about Tiger Woods and kind of <laughs> what he, uh... so uh, what do you think of it? I thought it was good. I mean. Yeah, the synopsis is kind of hard to do. It's like, it's about Tiger Woods. There you go. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it I knew. A lot of it I didn't. It was uh, two one-and-a-half-hour pieces, so it's that's how it's broken up. And, uh, you know, Tiger Woods is iconic, man. He yeah. truly does transcend. He became the face of golf like easily and then transcended it. And so even though I don't like golf, I particularly dislike golf because my dad would watch it almost every weekend. And it was, it's not a fun watch. Like when you have one TV in the house and then so many six hours or whatever are devoted to golf, like every weekend, it's like, ugh. but Tiger Woods is beyond that. And uh, it's a, yeah, it's a fascinating look into how a person who becomes that acclaimed is created. It's kind of hard to, he was kind of created. That's what it was. It's like, it it was like Earl Woods crafted this person. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, he was on television when he was two years old, (laughs) like they had him doing little trick shots as a two-year-old on TV. And then from then on, it was just, yeah, he was in the spotlight. And it's just impossible to try and get yourself in the mindset of someone that grew up like that. And I think the, the docuseries does a pretty good job of doing that. The only thing it's missing is like, input from Tiger Woods himself kind of like the last dance but you know it's kind of like the last it dance was, it was similar to the last dance in that like it really painted the picture 
like it did a very good job like because i i grew up with watching him and like it's it can't be overstated how big of an impact he had on just the world and pop culture and sports culture. Like he came in like a fucking Phoenix dude. Yeah. But like no one ever fucking saw anything like it. And like no one gave a fuck about golf. And then all of a sudden everyone gave a fuck about golf. Yeah. Like they showed on the fucking first episode his when he was at the US Open at Pebble Beach and won the US Open at Pebble Beach with a fucking 15 stroke lead. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Like it was like Pebble Beach is like one of the hardest fucking courses in the world and they like illustrated that. They're just like this course is like impossible. And he he just d- demolished it. And I remember in 2000 being at the gym. I was at the gym on Sunday, the final day of the US Open tournament. And nobody was working out, dude. Like, I was at the gym, and everyone was, like, just watching the TV as Tiger Woods was just decimating the field with a 15-stroke lead. It was like we were all at the gym to work out, and nobody was working out. Like, we were all just watching the TV, watching this kid destroy golf. Like, I remember that. Like, that was a vivid memory of mine. Like, watching this documentary, like, I was like, I remember that. I remember where I was. Like, that was a big moment. And, like, he just became this fucking Goliath of sports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the red polo with the black pants and the black hat, that's as an iconic as a look as... Jordan in his Bulls jersey, man. It's iconic. He's an icon. And it's huge. And, yeah, this is a pretty great docuseries to kind of chronicle all that. And like I was saying, it's like, it's it would have been cool to have his say, like The Last Dance, but I think kind of like The Last Dance, I mean, if he had his say, then maybe they wouldn't have chronicled like his most his most unsavory aspects like they didn't go into at the last dance for Jordan. So it's like, it's kind of a trade-off. It's a trade-off. It's like, you don't get his input, but you get to tell all the salacious, crazy stuff that happened. And uh, there's some kind of crazy stuff with, with the last dance. Like you did get like Jordan's words on like his unsavory moments. Like it was, it was pretty cool to hear his take on things. I mean, you got to hear him talking about how he was a jerk and stuff, but they didn't get into the the things that people talk about, like really talk about with Jordan, like how he's a gambling addict and all this other stuff. They could have gotten, they certainly could have gotten more in depth than the Last Dance, in my opinion. But we're not talking about the Last Dance, man. Yeah, 
We're talking about Tiger. We're talking about Tiger, which uh, was only two episodes, not ten, like The Last Dance. Right. So it's a little and, bit like, the last dance more digestible. Me, like I know we're not talking about The Last Dance, but like The Last Dance for me could not have been more integral to my upbringing because I was such a Utah Jazz fan, and The Last Dance was about his last hurrah, which was destroying Utah Jazz. Yeah. So, like, I, I took The Last Dance personally. I was just As like, Jordan would say. What do you have to say for yourself, Jordan? <laughs> like, let me hear it. But, like, yeah, with this fucking thing, in the first episode like they were talking to his girlfriend at the time who seemed to be like his legit girlfriend like when he was in high school yeah like it was his girlfriend that he was very very attached to yeah and like his parents found out that he came home early one day from college to like spend with his girlfriend. Yeah. And they were like, you motherfucker, like this is going to ruin everything. Like you're going to get her pregnant. Like you fucking, you cut this shit out. And he wrote her a letter. Like he didn't even talk to her. He wrote her a fucking letter that was like, Hey, just so you know, like I'm on to your shit. And, like, I know you fucking manipulated by your family and you. And, like, I don't want to ever hear from you again. I was just like, what a cold piece, dude. He's a cold <laughs> motherfucker. I was like, wow. Like, that was his girl. And his dad was just like, nope, that's not your girl. And he's like, okay, got it. Yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, man. I overall, I mean, yeah, that's that's one of the themes of the docu series that I took away is I felt bad for him, like the way, hell yeah, the way they molded him, they turned him into like a cold motherfucker like that. They like he did that, and then later on in episode two, like when the scandal happened, it's like he just cut out his friends, like people he'd known forever. He's just like, I'm just not going to talk to you anymore ever. Yeah. And that's just that's just happened. Like his caddy that had been his loyal caddy and like his best friend for years and years had been with him and been giving him his advice that had won him so many championships. He's just like, Oh, you're gonna you caddied for another guy once? We're done. Don't even we're not even gonna talk ever again after thirteen years. It's fucking sad, dude. And I mean, it was sad. It was. I'd say overall it was sad. I mean, I know a lot of people, I mean, I'm not condoning, obviously I'm not condoning like uh, adultery and all that stuff. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of that stuff is more uh, personal and private and should be kept private. And it's not really people's business. And it's kind of sad that a guy's business like that was just laid bare and everybody's judging the guy. And like you watch it, and uh, the goddamn the guy that they interviewed, the National Enquirer editor Neil Bolton. I wrote his name down just because I fucking hated this guy so much. 
he's the guy with the little round glasses. He's yeah. like, oh, and we had people follow Tiger to get proof. And and when his girlfriend discarded her tampon, we picked that up. It's like, what's the yeah. fucking matter with you people? You people are yeah, the worst dude. people. That was that was a gross little segment. I agree. I hated that guy so much. And I yeah, I hate people that I hated the uh like all the paparazzi that would follow Elon Nordegren around after like like how you feel about Tiger now? Like, hey, what are you doing now? It's like, Jesus, you people are the worst kind of humanity. And uh Absolutely. What's the guy that does TMZ Harvey something? Fuck that guy. That just makes me think like fuck that guy. Harvey Levin. Harvey Levin. What a piece of shit. Go die, Harvey Levin. Sitting around with you. Like I I felt shitty because like he found a girl that was like so perfect and so awesome and he like started (laughs) started hanging out with Michael Jordan. Yeah. They'd be at clubs and he'd be like, I don't even know what to say to these bitches. And Michael Jordan's just like, you tell him you're fucking Tiger Woods. And I was just like, that's cold. That felt like I, it sent a shiver up my spine. I was just like, yeah, you just go talk to these women, tell them who you are. And that's that. Like, that'll, like, that'll seal the deal. Yeah. And, like, and I felt up. bad for Elon because she seemed like such a cool fucking chick who was just dealing with his fame. But, like, that was that. Like, she was dealing with his fame. Yeah. It sucked. Yeah, Elon Nordegren. I mean, Jesus, man, what a perfect looking person. And yeah, well, it's easy to say, like, how do you cheat on something like that? It's like at the same time you say, I can't possibly get in the headspace. I can't. I just can't get in the headspace of someone who was famous since who's been in the spotlight since they were two years old because their parents were kind of manipulative pieces of shit, man. Like, I thought the mother may have been like free of that. But no, apparently they talked about how she would push him just as hard. I know when he was with his girlfriend and like showed up a day early from college to like hang out with her and they were like this has got to end and he sent that letter i was just like i can't believe you manipulated me and like just gaslighted her into being like what the fuck did i do to the point where she never even like went over there and was like what happened like, she was just like, all right, I guess. Yeah, they went from, like, close boyfriend-girlfriend to just, they just never talked again after that. And Jesus, that's, that's insane. I don't know. I don't know how to be the girlfriend of someone like Tiger Woods. Like, I, I will never know what that feels like. Yeah, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a crazy docu series, man. It was, uh, it's worth it was watching. Good. I mean, like it was, it was worth watching, exactly. So we're doing binge or cringe binge. Just it's the two episodes. Yeah, it's only two episodes. Go ahead and just fucking watch that shit. It was, it was worth it. Like if you care anything about like the story or 
just like the rise and fall of Tiger Woods. Like it's interesting. Like it's very interesting. You hear from a lot of the key players. Like, give it a shot. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And with that, we move on to the main event, which this week was Netflix's The White Tiger. And uh, do you want to you want to take the lead? Sure, man. Uh, the White Tiger follows. Uh, it's in India. It's set in India, and it follows the story of Balram. And Balram is a kid who grows up in a lower caste system, as it is in India. It's their caste systems are like where you are on the social scale, something they follow. And that's kind of a theme of this this movie is about the caste system. And he's on the the lower one. And his his dream kind of is he kind of manipulates and becomes a uh, eventually a driver for these this rich rich indian guy this rich indian guy's son who uh was who studying in america uh, ashok and ashok has a wife named pinky and so he just he works for them and he's he works for them for a while and a lot of stuff happens this is kind of a hard one to do because yeah, it's a lot of. I don't want to get too into it. I'd like people to watch it for themselves. Turn off if you're gonna, because I'd recommend you actually watch this one. But uh, before we get into spoilers and whatnot, as opposed to other movies, like we recommend you watch this one. So, like, if you don't want spoilers, turn this one off. Well, this is a. I know this is this, this one's the big release. The the White Tiger it just came out. So, yeah, yeah, and. uh yeah, go watch it. But overall, it's about Balram and his rise from a lower caste yeah. system from this point on. servant, and he becomes a like a, a big player guy. He becomes a kind of a he works his way, manipulates his way into becoming a bigger, bigger person, breaking out of that subservient servant role. Uh yeah. And how did you like The White Tiger, Joel? I dig movies like this, man. Like, I dig the whole, like, coming from humble beginnings to, like, just criminal activities to get you to, like, it reminds me of, like, Goodfellas or Scarface. Like, it just, it, I I enjoy it. I enjoy movies like this. Okay. And, like, I liked how... I mean, like, it's just spoilers from here on, right? Yeah, spoilers. Like, I enjoyed how he felt fucked over by this family. Like, when he finally, like, showed this his loyalty to the family, they just were like, we don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, okay. And then he, like, he took some extreme measures against that. He's like, you don't give a fuck about me? Well, I'm about to show you what's up. And he eventually, like, takes a broken bottle and says, fuck you, Ashok. And <laughs> took that dude out. Yeah. He was just like, like, he's like, oh, like, 
because he is their driver and he's like driving. He's like, oh, but like something's wrong with the car. <laughs> uh, Shock's like, well, go out and fix it. And then he goes out there. He's like, no, I need your help, dude. Like something's wrong with the car. And he's like, all right, fuck. And he gets out of the car and Balram fucking kills him with a bottle. And he's like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> like, it was insane. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I love movies like this where people just are put upon and just, like, they're shit to their servants or whatever. And then they're just like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rise above. Right. I don't know. I dug it. Like, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I'll say I dug it, too. I dug it too. Um, I only have one major criticism, which is I think the ending falls pretty flat and it kind of happens fairly abruptly. But I'd say overall, I really did enjoy the movie as it was going on. I really liked uh, all the acting. Balram, um, I can't. Adarsh Rav as Balram um, was great. I thought Raj Kumar Rao as a shock was great. And then Priyanka Chopra as pinky. I thought those were the three, like the three main kind of players. And I thought they were all fantastic. So Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Oh yeah. Priyanka Chopra Jonas. She's a Jonas. Yeah, well, let's not forget that's, that's Jonas royalty. Yeah. And she married a Jonas, which that's cool for her. Cool for her. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, Balram, I thought it was great. I just, yeah, the ending fell a little flat for me. The whole story is kind of, it's centered around, like, this letter that Balram, he is, he starts out with him as a wealthy Balram with a slick back ponytail and a stupid mustache, kind of, I guess, a wealthy man mustache, writing this letter to a Chinese prime minister guy. I'm not sure, but... He's like, oh, you want to know about entrepreneurs in India? Well, let me tell you about myself. And then it gets to the end of the movie, and, and then the guy's like, fuck off, dude. Don't don't even talk to me when he tries it. He's like, hey, man, it's me from the emails. And which another thing in the emails is he confessed to murder, which is like, that's kind of a bold move, buddy. Like, did you tell you told this Chinese guy you just killed someone and then like walked up to him at a hotel? Like, hey, buddy, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, other than that, I'd have to say the story was totally engaging. Baram, that guy was fantastic. Adarsh yeah, Rob, I thought, yeah, he's one. He's one to look out for and stuff and. Yeah, there was tons of interesting stuff happening here. A very interesting look at uh, India and what things are going on there, which I've kind of... I want to I, I want to bring up something that, like, I doubt that anyone who reviewed this movie brings up. Okay. <laughs> like, can... It, maybe this is just an Indian thing? I don't know, but, like, anytime Balram... Like, when Balram was like, oh, can I get, like, this room that is, like, for one person instead of multiple people? Like, I, I need, like, a single room. Yeah. 
like the guy who was like, oh yeah, like I can give you that room. Are you looking to get laid? Are you looking to like fucking, are you like, you looking to have some sex? Like he reaches out and like grabs Balram's dick and like starts rubbing it around. Yeah. Like he just, he reaches down and he's like, are you looking to get some pussy? And I was like, what the fuck? Is that a thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember? I know exactly what you're talking about. And I just, okay. I just like to point out it's similar to the conversation we had during Monos. It's just such a cultural divide. I think it's just totally different there. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but Indian men online have a particularly bad reputation of the way they harass women. Like, if you go to a model's page or something, you're gonna and you look through the comments. Chances are, at some point, you're gonna see a ton of Indian men saying very vulgar things. What well, a very popular one that just kind of became a joke over time was "Show me bobs and vagina." <laughs> uh, yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, so that's just something kind of it's and it's kind of they show it in this movie. It's just how they grew up, and it's. It's like when he's when he's serving a pinky and he's just grabbing his dick and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, what? He's like, why did my dad tell me it's not OK to just grab your dick? Oh, yeah, that's true. And it's, it, I thought that was an interesting thing. He's like, why did my dad tell me it's just not OK to grab your dick in front of women? Or like, why didn't he tell me about deodorant or brushing your teeth? Like, I'm a savage and I don't even know it. I thought that was interesting. I don't know, dude. When he when he was like, "I need a room by myself," and he's like, "Oh, are you trying to get laid?" and he just reaches out and jostles around with his dick. I was like, "What the fuck?" I would punch that dude in the head. I'm like, "What are you? Why did you reach out and grab my dick?" Yeah. Like, no, I'm not trying to get laid. I'm trying to get some sleep. Yeah, like, we come from different worlds, man. Like, at the same time, if my wife was like, you're kissing me weird, I would be like, I wouldn't be like, hey, no, I'm not. Hey, Joel, get over here. (laughs) 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 It's just things things where we don't really wrap our heads around very well. Yeah, dude. Manos, you're not cool. Like, that's not a cool thing to do. Well, neither is grabbing your dick from our perspective, but you know, from other cultures, it's hard to say because we can't put ourselves. That is fucking hysterical. Oh my God. I'm getting dying. Like, yeah. Like, oh, you're kissing me weird. Joel, get over here. Like, what? No, no. They got in there. Like, they were making out. <laughs> That was weird. That was like that started the it started my decline on that movie of like I feel uncomfortable. Like why why did that happen? Well, clearly you felt like, why are these why are these fear old children just making out and like this is not okay. Because they don't know any better, man. Just like you felt uncomfortable with the dick grabbing and it's like it's just just how they grew up, man. They don't they don't think it's weird to just grab another guy's dick or uh yeah you know do you know those key and peel sketches where it's like those two middle eastern friends <laughs> are like oh yeah baby and then they just grind on each other <laughs> yeah i guess 
we just it's just hard to understand We're, we really went on a fun a tangent here <laughs> the white tiger I, I don't know like it was, it was like yes we went off on a tangent but it was <laughs> that was like a scene in that movie where I was like I need to bring this up <laughs> yeah, I understand. this isn't okay just like I felt the need to bring up the kissing thing I totally understand it's things we like, don't understand. Like, why did he say, like, are you trying to get laid? <laughs> like, let me play with your dick for a second so you know what I mean. I was like, what are you doing? He's clarifying. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what do you give the White Tiger? I give the White Tiger uh, 7.5. Like, I, I liked it. Like I said, the ending felt pretty flat for me. I mean... I just like to say real quick. I understand. I understand the, uh, the that it wasn't the point of the movie for him to to show his ultimate rise because it was more about him breaking out of the chicken coop, as the movie would say, which I thought was very right. interesting. But I still feel like it just everything that happened in the last five minutes was kind of a blur, and I would have liked a little more clarification or something. So seven point five for me. All right, I think I would give it a solid seven. Okay. Like, I enjoyed it. I also did not enjoy it because I was just like, God damn, these fucking people. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the diversity we got in this week's, uh, this week's viewings like i thought there was a lot of like rags to riches from dolomite to tiger to white tiger like there was a lot of like i was not anything and i became something yeah and then even beyond that like with monos like just seeing different perspectives because i'm interested in that because i have my I have my, as they would say now, a cis white male perspective. And sometimes it's hard to just understand other cultures. And then we got some culture shocks this week. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Thank you, Zach X, for that, for that uh, extra perspective. Thanks, Zach X. Thank uh-huh. you, Netflix. Next week. Next week we have... We have uh, the newest... Warner Brothers drop on HBO. We have The Little Things as well as Netflix's The Dig. And also with Netflix, we have. Oh, wow. Like it just left my mind. <laughs> we have Netflix's uh, Cutthroat City. That's what it's called Cutthroat City. Wait, 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 wait. So yeah, we have a we have a few movies for you next week. They're uh, all Netflix. Dig. What's that? They're all Netflix. No, uh, the little things is HBO. It's oh. the new Warner Brothers. Okay, film. that's okay. And then with Netflix, we have the Dig and Cutthroat City. Okay. That uh, that HBO so, film uh, that's like uh, the one with Denzel. Correct. Oh, I'm in, I'm fascinated by that. Denzel and yeah, we have we have the new. Uh, it's nice to have these like Warner Brothers movies coming out. Like, I mean, in theory, it's nice. And then Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four happened and slapped its balls on my face. 
left a smear of ball sweat all over my face. I can't wash out. I don't know, man. The the little things looks like I'm into it. I it looks interesting to me. Yeah. Let's see. We'll see if they redeem themselves now. And then Netflix, we have The Dig, and we have Cutthroat City. I haven't heard of either of them, so I'm excited to go in blind. Excellent. And uh, you have any uh, parting words for the folks, Cameron? Just as always, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to us. You know, we're just a couple dudes, so we really appreciate all those people that listen to us. Like, um, you know, people that recommend these movies, Zach X. We have uh, Aaron, Aaron on uh, Facebook, who always gives us good advice. And we appreciate that kind of stuff. And then your friends. Yeah. All right, everyone.